0: Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker.
1: Hello, everybody, and happy Tuesday, too. We have some technical difficulties to start the show. Uh, The normal magic of Skype is not working for us, so we're going to do this first segment at least. Via telephone, I know the quality isn't as good, and I apologize for that. Hopefully, we'll get this figured out during a commercial break. Uh, I guess this is what we get for procrastinating, Trevor.
0: Well, that's that's usually my mo. I, you know, you know, technology is three steps forward, two steps back, or vice versa.
1: The thing is, that we've we've been doing great between the station and here when it comes to Skype, uh, but. Today, it's just, it was the normal routine. I logged on. Trevor logged on. We, it was about, I guess, five minutes before the show, whenever it was. And uh, I could hear Trevor just fine on his end. He couldn't hear me on mine. But nothing has changed. So uh, we're going to figure this out, and, and we'll, it'll, we'll fix it one way or the other. But as for now, we'll do it via telephone. Uh, it's a nice Tuesday here in Louisville, a spring Tuesday. It's cool. Uh, but sunny, a little windy, but I think it feels pretty nice outside. And what a day it's been. Uh, this, this recruiting stuff is getting out of hand. Uh, it's been nonstop for the last few days. Continues today, and uh, a big event in Lexington this weekend with the Nike EYBL coming to Lexington. Uh, there's going to be at least 13, 14 prospects with U.K.'s attention. Not all of them have U.K.'s offer but a lot of them have interest from Kentucky, uh, so I'll have a, certainly a busy weekend trying to get in touch with all those guys. should be a good time. Uh, but that's the 2016-2017 class. We still have plenty going on with the 2015 class. We're going to have Rob Doster on the show later today. We'll talk with him about some of this and also just with other, other college basketball news, still a lot of guys that haven't announced that they're leaving yet. I imagine the majority of them will, uh, but a lot of them haven't announced. So here's what's new today. We're starting to get dates or at least tentative dates on when guys are going to announce. And I'll break it down for you right here. On maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday, uh, m- most likely in between Thursday and Monday, Cech Diallo is going to decide. Uh, he is down to Iowa State, St. John's, Kansas, Kentucky, and Pittsburgh, but everything I've been hearing lately is St. John's, Kentucky, or Kansas. Some people even go as far as saying it's just Kentucky and Kansas. I've heard some other people go as far as just saying it's St. John's or Kentucky. But either way, it does seem that Kentucky's in the top two. He will announce – in the coming days, no later than Monday, I'm being told. Malik Newman, who has had one of the longer recruitments for a while because he's been on, he's been number one for the last four years. Uh, really, I think ESPN updated their last rankings and had him at number ten, which is probably the lowest he's ever been in his life. Uh, not overly impressive in all-star games. Don't know how much stock you can put in those, anyways. He's announcing on Friday at one o'clock. All right, another U.K. target. All the buzz lately has been with Mississippi State or Kentucky, mostly Mississippi State. But he's doing a closed ceremony. He's from Mississippi. Doing a closed ceremony, not letting any fans in. I don't even think they're releasing where the location is. If you want to read into that stuff, it may seem that it could be an unpopular opinion for the locals, which would think, okay, maybe Kentucky. But he's announcing Friday. Brandon Ingram, another target that seemingly is down to UNC, Duke, and Kentucky, but with all the latest chatter coming from UK and Duke, he will announce on Monday, so six days away. So really, that only leads, leaves Jalen Brown, and nobody has any clue what he's going to do. So in a week, we will have a much better idea about UK's 2015 recruiting class. Also their outlook for their 2015-2016 season. Michael Mulder also visiting Kentucky this weekend, a JUCO. He could potentially commit, maybe depending on what Malik Newman does. So a lot of dominoes are going to start falling here, Trevor, and and people are going to decide. Uh, This has made me incredibly busy the last few days. Normally, we'd have our attention turned towards the 2016 class, which again, there's going to be 13, 14 guys in Lexington that that John Calteri will probably come and watch. Uh, There's an Under Armour event in Louisville this weekend, some other UK targets. And in Indianapolis, there's the Adidas event, which again, plenty of UK targets. But the eyes, still on the 2015 class, a lot of interesting things going on. And depending on who you trust, who's reliable. There could be different teams leading for all these different guys. But I, I genuinely believe that Kentucky is in the top two for Ingram, for Cech Diallo, and certainly for Malik Newman. But being in the top two is not going to, to make Kentucky a better team. If you finish second in these recruitments, it's, it's no different than being cut a month ago, a year ago even, some of these guys which you could probably make a case that if you were cut a year ago, it would have helped you focus in on some other guys. So it's going to be a very exciting week. Uh, Duke today received a commitment from Derek Thornton, who was one of the top players in 2016. A great commitment, a great player. You think the future's bright. Well, he's reclassifying for 2015-2016. So now Duke has his point guard, and he's going to be surrounded with unbelievable shooters, Duke's going to be a top-five team next year, and we'll talk to Rob Dobson about that. Derek Thornton is a very, very good player. He's a pass-first point guard. He, Kentucky, and depending on who you ask, and some people that are I'm very close with think he would have gone to Kentucky had he not reclassified, I still think he would have gone to Duke regardless of what year it was. He would have been an interesting fit at UK because he's not overly athletic, and he's a pass-first guy. He, he's kind of a bigger Tyler Ulitz. But he's really, really good. He's a guy that you'd probably want on your team, regardless of who you were. And then, like I said, you surround him at Duke with shooters galore. And the Blue Devils are going to be very, very good. Brandon Ingram, like I said, probably down to Duke and UK, all things considered. If he goes to Duke, they're going to be favorites to go back-to-back, without a doubt. Brandon Ingram, really, I think is the big recruit in all this. Check Diallo might fit more of a need. Jalen Brown might be the better overall player. Malik Newman, a really good scorer. But Brandon Ingram, with him playing the wing and that having a huge hole for Kentucky, he might be the most important player for Kentucky. I also think he's the guy where he put up the best numbers out of all the other available guys. And, that, again, I think Jalen Brown's probably better. Malik Newman, you could certainly make the case, is a better player. Jack would secure UK's front line as one of the best in the country. But Brandon Ingram, there's a hole of that three, and he could certainly slide in and fill it uh, and get a lot of shots, make a lot of shots. He's a guy that can score anywhere. His best comparison is Tayshaun Prince. So he's certainly going to be a name to look out for, uh, the recruitment to watch out for. He will be announcing next Monday. So a lot going on in the recruiting world. Tell me what you think the U.K. is going to end up with Who you're worried. They won't end up with at Key Walker Rivals. You can call in 502-384-1450. We're going to have a commercial break right now because I'm, I'm anxious to try to get Skype set up again, see if this is going to work.
0: This is the quietest so, I've ever been on a segment with you trying to get this fixed. You're doing what, trying to get it fixed, Trevor? I said this is the quietest I've ever been on a segment with you while I was trying to get this fixed.
1: Yeah, I, I know you're working on your end. I was trying to do some things on my end, so we—I—I I, I I wasn't using filler for recruitment, but it—if it, that's kind of laying some of the groundwork for what to expect with UK recruiting the next week. While both of us are trying to get the Skype working, i are going to head to commercial now. Yeah. Trevor, how how's things coming on your end? We'll just we'll talk about it now before we do. We'll let everybody in on, uh, on
0: our conversation. I, I uh, I'm ha- I, I think it's on my end. I'm trying to figure out what could uh, be uh, have been unplugged or turned down or or un, undone, and I'm uh, currently in the process of uh, redoing my uh, Skype account here to see if that was maybe will fix the situation.
1: So should we not go to commercial break now because things won't be ready on your end?
0: Uh, we could be. I'll tell you, I will ask you one question before we go to commercial break with all the recruiting news you have brought up and all the names you have mentioned. In pecking order, starting with the most important player Kentucky needs to get, give me your top three recruits that need to sign with Kentucky.
1: Well, it's you know it's really personal preference. I, I think if you only have Scalabissier and Marcus Lee on your front line, that could be a bit concerning, along, I guess, with Alex Poitras. So on that sense, maybe it's Cech It's another body. He's obviously really good. He was the MVP of both the McDonald's All-American game and the Jordan Brand Classic. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to put up a ton of points. He's, uh, he's limited in some capacities offensively. So maybe it's him because that, that, that gives you a lot more depth on the front line, makes things easier. Uh, maybe it's Brandon Ingram. Like I said, you put him at the three, there's really no true three for UK. You have a lineup of Tyler Ulis, Briscoe, Brandon Ingram, Marcus Lee, and Scott Labissier, and then you have a lot of scores. The only person in that lineup that's not a great scorer is Marcus Lee, but we know how well he, he rebounds offensively, and any play is really alive as long as he's on the prowl. Brandon Ingram can knock down threes. Three-point shooting wouldn't be as big as an issue. He can put it on the floor, score from anywhere. He's good at drawing fouls. Uh, he, he'd be a really good player for UK's offense, make UK's offense a lot better because I think there are some concerns about who's going to be some of the scorers. So that, that's, a, that's a, a, a case for him. Malik Newman, he's a guy that likes to have the ball in his hands, but he's a really good scorer. He can knock down threes. He can pull from anywhere, really quick release, quick trigger. Uh, he's underrated as a defensive player, and he's great at drawing fouls as well. Now again, he wouldn't maybe be the best, maybe not the best option because you already have two ball handlers in Tyler and Tyler Ulis and Briscoe. But he's very, very talented. He's six, six three and gets where he wants on the court. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a Brandon Knight type. And then Jalen Brown is probably my favorite player or the best player I think remaining in the class. Uh, he's a six seven Stanley Johnson type player. He can knock down threes, not as not as a super high clip. That would help UK's void at the three, but the teams could zone Kentucky, and and outside shooting would be the biggest issue. So if I could only pick one, if I'm Kentucky, and and, you know, I I think if you were Kentucky right now and you could guarantee one and not get anybody else, I think you'd do it in a heartbeat. Because there is a very, there's a vibe going around that they're going to end up empty-handed, Trevor, with the exception of maybe Michael Mulder. But if you could take one, and if I was Kentucky and push a button and could guarantee one guy, I would take Brandon Ingram. Because you're going to have pointers playing more of the four than he is a three. Ingram can also play the four. He'll get bullied around if he has to guard somebody too big. But if he guards another athletic, shot-blocking type offensive player, he can guard. he can guard that type of player. He just can't guard somebody that's overly powerful. And then offensively, Kentucky is going to be one of the better offensive teams in the country. We'll be able to score with anybody. So that's why I think you'd go Brandon Ingram. If I had to rank them, I'd go Brandon Ingram, number one. Check Diallo, number two. Jalen Brown, three. And Malik Newman, four. And Malik Newman, you could very well make a case as the best player out of that out of that group of people. But it's not necessarily the need Kentucky has to have. So it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But, again, there's a, a lot of people are predicting and thinking that U.K. ends up with zero of the four. And it could happen. It'll be something to keep an on. We're going to try, we're going to take a commercial break. Let's hope that Skype is working when we get back. Cross your fingers. Stick around here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. Day night,
0: I toss and turn, I keep in my mind, mind. I look for peace, but still I don't attain. What I need to keep's so a silly game we play.
1: Play Now look at this.
0: Madness to magnets is attracting me. I try to run, but see I'm not that fast. I think of first but surely finish
1: last. last.
0: You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker, presented by Allen Electric. Hello, Mitch, Bernard. See, you guys haven't changed much.
1: (laughs) Beanie, you remember Cheese, Rodney's kid brother?
0: Actually, my name isn't Cheese anymore. It's Gordon Pritchard.
1: Oh yeah,
2: Cheese. Yeah. Didn't we lock you in the dumpster one time?
0: I got out. We're back.
3: And second, unfortunately, sports was. we were able to figure out the Skype issue. As you can expect, it was all on Trevor's end. So things are good now, though, and hopefully the quality is a little bit better for you. Let's waste no time. It's Tuesday, so that means we're going to have Rob Doster on NBC Sports. Rob, how are you? Go- how how, how are things going today?
2: They are uh, they're going pretty well, man. You know, the sun is shining, the birds are chirping, nobody's committed anywhere anymore, so you know, I'm good to go.
3: I i am about ready to lose it. My brain is fried. I should be focusing on the 2016-2017 recruiting classes, and I'm still 2015 guys, even new names when I'm covering UK, popping up every day. I'm getting sick of it, Rob.
2: Yeah, you know, it is what it is. This, is just, uh, this has been a really weird recruiting class, just between, like, all the kids that are thinking about going pro and, and – and, you know, the guys coming from Australia, like Ben Simmons or Haiti, like Skull, and people reclassifying and kids just, you know, the I think Jalen Brown's recruitment to me might be the weirdest one of all of them because I don't know about you, but every single person I've talked to seems to have absolutely no idea where he is going to end up going.
3: No, nobody has any idea. Where, you, you, it's funny, I was going over the show earlier, Rob, and we were talking about when these guys are going to commit, and, and now you're starting to get dates and leaders for all these guys. Cech Diallo will be in the next few days, Brandon Ingram on Monday, Malik Newman on Friday. And, and then when it comes to Jalen Brown, not only do you nobody have knows. Nobody, flew when when he's going to announce you don't even know who is possibly leading he started adding adding schools late in his recruitment you don't know how seriously he's considering those there was the talks that maybe california of all places started to lead that is one of the, the i think out of all the recruitments i've ever covered this has been the strangest one by far
2: yeah i i don't think i would disagree with you there um you know the the funny part is he might not even end up playing college basketball you know I I had a conversation with someone the other day and I was like so where do you think Jalen Brown's gonna end up and he said China so you know that'll be fun if he ends up there if he ends up
3: not even going to a college and you know I wish kids the best because why wouldn't I they're they're 17 18 year old kids that have very bright futures ahead of them but if he goes to China I'm gonna be a little little upset about it following this recruitment for years. And this and another thing, Rob, this is coming from a guy I talked to in Indianapolis last year in Jalen Brown and asked him what was going on with his recruitment. UK was just now starting to get involved this time about a year ago. And he talked about how much he rec- he hated the recruiting process. It was annoying. It was obnoxious. He found it strange, college coaches trying to chit-chat with recruits. And he said that he was going to end it as soon as possible. Here we are a year later, and now he might not even end up at college. It, it's mind-numbing to me, but he is a very talented player. So I guess that's why teams are seeing that he's worth the wait.
2: Yeah, I mean he's obviously worth the wait. I think we're looking at a kid that could end up being a top five pick in the 2016 draft. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up because out of the what is it eight schools that are on his list now, I could see him picking any one of those eight schools. You know, I don't, I don't think that there's anyone that's really at a point where you can say you know they're eliminated. So I, I it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up and you know not just him, you know, Brandon Ingram too and and Shek Diallo uh, the the landscape of the, it's kind of played out a little bit cuz we know who is coming back for the most part like all the big names basically have made their decisions. Um but the landscape of the season is is, is it can still kind of change a little bit depending on where you know, Brandon Ingram specifically, but you know Malik Newman too and uh, and, and Jalen Brown, where some of these guys end up going next season
3: and Kentucky in on all those guys that you mentioned, and, and I think it's with the exception of maybe Jalen Brown because I, I don't think he ends up at Kentucky, but I have no clue and nobody does. But with the exception, I think Chuck Diallo, Brandon Ingram, Malik Newman, I think Kentucky's in the top two with all those guys, but I also think there's a realistic chance that they strike out with with all with every, all three of them and all four of them, if you want to include Jalen Brown, who I don't think if they're going to, to get.
2: If you had to pick right now, where where do you think? Uh, all three, not including Jalen Brown, where do you think those three guys
3: go? Well, Rob, you're putting me on the spot, and now people want no, I say they're this. You on the spot. they're going to put They're going to go to our message boards and start putting this and that, but uh, I, I think I think Malik Newman deciding to have the announcement at his high school with nobody going there is very interesting to me. I still think Mississippi State will likely be the choice if I had to guess today, but that's I agree. weird. I
2: agree with you there.
3: If they're, if they're doing a documentary, and they have been all season on Malik Newman, wouldn't you want him in front of all these Mississippi State fans that are going to go crazy when he picks up a Mississippi State hat?
2: Yeah, I mean, you would think, but that whole, you know, everything that's going on with that whole situation is just, again, another another weird one to me. Um, the, the fact that he's, like, built this entire brand around himself as a high school senior is just you no, know, I I don't know if I can remember anything to that extent um, for a high school kid. Maybe maybe no. Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes was like that too, but he was he was he wasn't as open about it, and he didn't really you know it, it didn't really come to the forefront until he actually got to college. But he's a I mean he's a very very smart guy. So I don't it, I don't know. I, I think I think eventually Malik Newman. I agree with you. I think he ends up at this.
3: And what you're talking about is he's got his own website, which features his own glamour shots. Uh, he's got his own logo, the MN logo. That, uh, <laughs> that So it, 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 that's what you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. All that stuff. Uh, I, I'm going to ignore your question about making me pick where these guys are going to go because I'll make I, I Again, I think Kentucky's in the top two with Diallo and Ingram. If I had to really, if I had to guess on all of them right now, I, I, Diallo, I really am 50 50 on. I, I think Kentucky's got a really good chance. So maybe I'll go with Kentucky for Diallo uh ingram i would probably go with duke but i think kentucky is right there too but we were talking before we had you on rob who would you who do you think is the most important for kentucky if you could only take one if you're calipari who would you take out of those four guys brown diallo ingram and newman or you can rank them for me in terms of importance for uk season next year
2: i think the guy that i would want the most is um probably brandon ingram uh for starters, I think that he's the best of the three. I think he's the best player. But the other thing is that Kentucky doesn't really have a natural wing for next season. You know, Charles Matthews is more of like a pure shooting guard, scoring guard kind of player. He's not, you know, a guy like Brandon Ingram is like a six foot eight wing that can do a lot of different things. Uh, I think that you know he's a he's a guy that that Kentucky doesn't really have, and he's a kind of the kind of talent that they can really use next season. Um Shek Diallo, I think, you know, he's maybe just like a rich man's version of Marcus Lee and Alex Poaster is kind of an undersized power forward that gets by mostly on athleticism and effort more than anything else. I I am not I'm not as high on Shek Diallo as a lot of people are. I, I look, I think he's he's a terrific athlete. He plays really 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 hard. And he understands how to get himself into positions where he can score and get offensive rebounds. But he, I mean, he's another guy who, who basically gets by because he's more athletic and he plays harder than people. And that only has a certain shelf life. And I really don't think that it's that much different than what Marcus Lee can be next season. In, in, in other words, I don't think that Sheck, if Shecky goes to Kentucky, I don't think he starts at the 4-4. Four four. Um, as far as Malik Newman is concerned, you know, I, I think that. He's a, he's a ball-dominant guard that is going to want, like, 20 shots a game. And I think that, I, one, Isaiah Briscoe is probably better than him, um, at least in the sense of being on a team where, you know, you don't want him taking every single shot. And I think that Tyler Ulis is going to be, you know, an, an all-SEC-caliber point guard next season. So I don't think that Kentucky necessarily needs Another ball dominant guard on their roster, so I would say without a doubt Brandon Ingram is the guy that they uh, should be should want the most. And um, you know, back to the the question I asked you before, I I think I agree with you uh, in that I'm not sure that Kentucky actually ends up getting any of them. Um, and if I had to rate the likelihood, I'd say Diallo is probably the most likely, uh, Ingram is the second most likely, and Newman is the least likely that Kentucky ends up with. But I, I mean. They all kind of end up being a flip of the coin at this point. I don't think anybody really has any uh, information on that.
3: Yeah, it's, it's so we're pretty much in agreement with all that. But Let me ask you this, and I want to talk a little bit about Derek Thornton going to Duke and reclassifying for 2015. But it, this kind of goes along with it. Uh, at Kentucky, if Brandon Ingram wanted to go there, there's the the three spot is wide open. Uh, you'd have two point guards that really love to pass, you list more than Briscoe, but Briscoe is, is an unselfish point guard as well. Uh, you've got, the, like I said, the three-spot just waiting for, for somebody to come take it, especially offensively, where it seems like Duke, the other school that's mentioned most with Ingram, do you, do you think Brandon Ingram would start there? And, and, and if so, I guess probably over Luke Kennard would, would be where you'd start him and move Grayson Allen, play him at the two with Derek Thornton at the one. Would is that is that the way you'd see it? You know, I
2: I don't really know what Duke would end up doing next year because the the whole thing with them is that they don't really have all that good of a front line. So I would not be surprised if they could they ended up doing something where like they would start a Chase Jeter or a Sean Obie at center and then have Brandon Ingram play, play the four and kind of go four round one and spread things out a little bit because if you put Derek Thornton out there with Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard, and Brandon Ingram, that's going to be a very, very difficult uh, team to match up with. Um, you know, if you look at Duke's roster right now, when you're talking about their big guy, it's it's Sean Obie, who's a transfer from Rice, Camille Jefferson, it's Marshall Plumlee, and it's freshman Chase Jeter, who is not going to be the next Julia Local for. So they don't really have all that much in the front court. And as far as Derek Thornton is concerned, um, you know, I, I like him as a prospect. I think he's got a terrific future. I don't know if he's ready to handle being a full time point guard at this point. Uh he's a little bit turnover prone. He's always been kind of a gunner. Um coming up, you know, I, I think that he needs to add a little bit of, of size and strength. He's a really good defender. Like he's 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 kinda like Tyler Ewless in that he's just an absolute pest and a menace on the ball because he's really, really quick. But I just don't think he quite understands how to be a point guard, especially a point guard on a team where, you know, assuming they get Brandon Ingram, he's going to be the third or fourth, maybe even the fifth option offensively every single time he's on the floor. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of embrace that idea that he is a
3: facilitator, if that makes sense. We were talking with Rob Doster, NBC Sports. It- I think if you have a Duke lineup where you have to have Brandon Ingram or you're going to have him play the four with Luke Kennard and Grayson Allen and Derek Thornton as your one, twos, and threes. I said this on Twitter, and tell me I'm not crazy. I think that would be one of the better offensive lineups in the last decade. Uh, you have four guys that can shoot threes at a really good clip, a great passer in Derek Thornton, a, a, and an experienced Guy, you know, some experience from a national title team and, and Grayson Allen who had a, a great, a great title game. And also some guys coming off the bench. I don't care who you play at the five, those four, that's an unbelievable offensive line. I'm now defense is a different story, but tell me. Well, I'm not the, the issue, concerned.
2: the issue with that is they're just, they're all going to be so young. I mean, Grayson Allen would be the veteran on that group. And he couldn't even get off the bench for Duke in December. So, like, look, I, I I get it. Like, he he was terrific during the tournament. I think that he's got. A, I think Grayson Allen has a great future. But when he is like the veteran guy on your roster, a guy who couldn't even start over Sheet Suleiman, like, I, I there's there's reason to be concerned with it. So, and the other part of it is that I don't think that this is a great recruiting class. I don't think that they're going to have the same impact that the 2013 or 2014 classes did. Like, I don't know if Brandon Ingram, if he gets there. You know, I think he might be a great freshman and be a guy that can average like maybe like 12 points a game, but I, I don't think he's coming in and, and, and having the same impact that like Jabari Parker did, or the impact that a guy like Andrew Wiggins did. Um, I, I think he's got a terrific ceiling. I think he's going to be a guy that can really end up being, you know, a very very good wing at the NBA level. But I just I, I can't see him coming in and being that kind of dominant force offensively and the same thing with luke Kennard. like i'm not convinced that luke Kennard is going to come in and be much more than a spot-up shooter to start Uh, like look he can shoot the lights out he's a really good scorer he's really good uh, i think he's a better playmaker than people give him credit for but i don't think that he is a guy that is going to come in and be like a a threat to score 20 points in every given night so I, i mean i agree with you i think that if they can keep that group together for two years then yes, it could be a very very good offensive team, but I just I, I think they're going to have issues their first season, especially because there's not going to be an anchor in the low post. You know, Chase Jeter is not a guy that you dump the ball into and say, "All right, go we'll give me a bucket." You know, Sean Obi is is a big body, but you know he averaged ten points at Rice when Rice wasn't very good at all. So I, I mean, is he really going to be a guy that you can rely on to throw the ball into, or is he going to have the same kind of impact that impact that like say? Tarek Black had at Kansas in 2014. Uh, uh, just another big body to rotate through that you know might get you eight rebounds and commit 5,000 in 20 minutes. So I'm not. I'd love the talent on Duke, but I still want to see how it all kind of comes together.
3: And it might be a and with all those freshmen like you mentioned, it would be a team that would probably take some time and maybe not really hit their stride until March. Like a lot of John Calipari teams in the past haven't really reach their full potential until tournament time but that's okay as long as you do it by that point uh it'll be interesting to watch college basketball next year and a lot to still digest because like you like you mentioned earlier a lot of moving pieces still uh still out there and one kind of local here to louisville uh close to louisville are you you hearing anything on yogi ferrell and his decision whether or not to return to indiana
0: i still
2: think that he ends up going pro Um, i don't have any inside information on that. I, 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 everyone I've talked to is kind of thinking that he's up in the air, but here's my question. So he scheduled his announcement for a Roost Chris Steakhouse, right?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: If, he's, sure did. if he's making the announcement that he's coming back to school, why would he be doing it at uh, an upscale restaurant like that? Why wouldn't he be doing it on campus or you know, at a place where he can go celebrate with Tom cream. So, you know, I, i thought for a while that he, he wanted to go on to the NBA. You know, he's, he's an incredibly important player for, uh, the, the, the scope of college basketball next season as well, because I think with him back, Indiana ends up being, you know, a top 15 team. And I think that in turn makes the big 10, you know, I think they'll probably have four or five teams in the preseason top 20, uh, but without him and you know even if James Blackham doesn't come back either, I don't think it really matters if Thomas Bryant ended up at Indiana. I, you know, I think that they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. They really, really need Yogi Farrell back. So you know, Indiana fans better stop start uh crossing their fingers right now.
3: Yeah, and he will be announcing on Saturday at Haruth Chris, which is just the, one of the weirder setups I can remember. Tom Crean, I, I've been told, will not be there because it's a huge recruiting weekend. Uh, and there's events in all these other places. But it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But well, time has flown, Rob. Thanks so much for joining us, and, and we'll look forward to speaking with you next week. Hey, you're a
2: lot better at getting people off in time than uh, Trevor is.
3: Yeah, tre- and and trying to keep on task, too. Trevor, you all you all would have been talking about some crazy thing at this point. We, we stayed mostly focused to basketball, pretty much all focused to basketball this time.
2: Well, that's because it's basketball stuff to talk about, man. Just wait until we get to June when there's nothing else to
3: talk about. That's true. That's true. And we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get to it, though. And at uh, that point, I, you'll probably
2: quit from having to deal with Trevor for every day for two months. So, best of luck to you, sir.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Rob Doster, NBC Sports, uh, one of the best when it comes to talking college basketball. <sighs> Lots of, I mean a lot a lot still to go in terms of what next season's going to look like and this happens and you know when you're in the moment and when it's actually going on, you kind of forget that this happens a lot. There are guys that don't make their decisions until late April or May. There are guys that are still deciding whether or not to go to the NBA. The Harrisons last year, I don't think it announced till late April, if I'm not mistaken uh and probably a week from right now. This happens, but when you're in the moment, it, it, it just makes you wonder. You're you know the month of the college basketball ended less than a month ago, and the new season's not for for months to go. But this is when you want to start kind of returning guys to know what to expect for the next season for recruits to start building that bond, whether it's on social media or texting or calling one another. This is when your team, the beginning stages of a new season, starts to begin, and the fact that there's so much uncertainty, really, it, it, it's it's fun to cover at times. It's exhausting to cover other times. We're going to head to commercial break. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Plenty more to talk about when we return. Yeah,
0: whatever you like. Stacks on deck, the on ice. We can pop bottles all night and baby. You could have whatever you like. You could have whatever you like. Yeah, baby, I can treat you so special, so right. Gas yes, up the jet for you tonight and baby. You can go wherever you
1: like. Did you use the stuff with the tiny scrubbing bubbles? They clean the bowl so you don't have tea. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker, presented by Allen Electric.
3: Rob Doster is Jamal Murray. He's a 2016 point guard that also may reclassify, or he's a guard, Uh, has said that he'd like to play point, but is listed as a shooting guard some places he is thinking about reclassifying to 2015 and if he does Kentucky if they don't get Malik Newman would certainly certainly be in the conversation it would likely come down to Oregon and Kentucky you you think you may have to like Kentucky's chances if that is the case it's again i'm worn out i really am it's only tuesday i had i was rec- covering recruiting most of the weekend and i'll be covering it all weekend in lexington although it'll be a different class but even then i'm gonna have to be thinking about the 2015 i know i'm, I'm complaining but man it is exhausting at times
0: and it never ends tj it's like uh the scene in american history x when they're, they're doing the laundry and he's like you can get mad you can go as fast as you want but the draws keep coming the recruits keep coming it's an endless cycle for you buddy there's no there's no rest
3: it is, and when 2015 is over, it moves right on to 2016, and you'll have to keep an eye on 2017.
0: And it, you it, never it, know when those kids are going to reclassify.
3: Yeah, no kidding. But the good news is, one at least once the 2015 is over and the reclassifying to 2015 is over, probably in three weeks. To be honest, which is kind of the sad, depressing thing about it, it'll probably the dust will all settle probably in about three weeks, uh, and that might be a bit conservative, but. At least then when I turn my attention to the 2016 class, for the majority of the top guys, no decisions will be made in the in the near future at least. So will take a little less pressure off to, to be looking at my phone and the computer 24-7, but uh, but I, I'm I'm ready for that moment. Even though I'm gonna have to travel more this summer and kind of get to know some of these 2017 guys and, and see some of the 2016 guys. It will certainly take some of the pressure off. But Jamal Murray, again, another name to watch for Kentucky, especially if they miss out on Malik Newman. Uh, they they would really, if he decides to reclassify, they'd really love him. Uh, and then you could play this three-guard type lineup with Briscoe, Ulysses and Murray. And Murray would probably be the worst of those three, but I really don't think it'd be by much. And by the end of the season, it, it could be a different story. Uh, He's young, he's getting better every time I've seen him play, and he does everything you want out of a guard. He can shoot, uh, he plays defense, takes pride in his defense, great passer, gets other involved, can put it on the floor. He was on Thon Maker's high school team, and you'd watch those games, and Thon Maker has so many times been considered the number one player in 2016, one of the top players in 2015. So many times you'd watch that team play, and – Jamal Murray looked like the much better basketball player. I mean, the much, a much better basketball player. Yeah, is
0: that the product of being the, the focus on Thon Maker, or is it just maybe he's, or it's an even, he's getting the same kind of focus, you know, for example, everybody's double-teaming, triple-teaming Thon Maker, and clearly it's going to make one of the players around him look better because of the lack of focus they get from a defense. I, I no, no, because their team's good, and...
3: Thon Maker probably does get more attention than anybody, but he's still a guard that is hitting threes, and they're not all wide open threes. And he's putting on the floor and, and finding Thon Maker and and ooping to Thon Maker and doing this and that. So no, it's not because the Thon is absorbing all that attention. Uh, it, it might be that your expectations are so high on Thon Maker that honestly he doesn't usually live up to him. I think Thon Maker's great, but not as good as the hype surrounding him. So maybe you're expecting to see this really great player, Thon Maker, disappoints, but then you see this other guard that you go, whoa, I didn't really know much about him. Who's this guy? Because he's dominating. So,
0: Have you ever caught an alley-oop, TJ?
3: No, but I do have a funny story about dunking one time, so I'll, I'll tell that after the break. Uh, we will be right back here on 1450 of the Sports Buzz. Stick around. Another half hour of uh, good old-fashioned fun. Down the
1: street in my
0: jocking the pitches the hose, I went to the park to get the scoop. Knuckleheads out there,
1: cold shooting smoke.
0: Car cools up, who can it be? It's a fresh El Camino, rolling kilo G.
1: He rolls down the window and he starts to.
0: You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. I got robbed by a sweet old lady on a motorized cart. I didn't even see it coming.
3: Captain Carter in and says that he's going to tell his boss that he's going to be reclassifying Trevor, it hasn't always been this way where kids can just say, you know what, I'm gonna reclassify.
0: The first one I remember, and you would know this better than me, because you're probably recruiting a lot more than me. I think I've brought it up before, but the New Noel was the first one I remember really doing it. At least significant enough that it was I don't wanna I not wanna say mainstream, but it was well known. I can't remember anybody really before him that at least at that level that did it. And so and then there's always that one it breaks the barrier, you know. Kevin Garnett goes straight from high school to college. The next thing you know, it's happening five, six, thirty times a year, thirty kids a year coming out because of his success. And Nerlens Noel, I, I, unless there was somebody before that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was the one that kind of broke that barrier and started this trend. There's been
3: more, and I, I'm sure there's been some before him. And I can't,
0: I don't know if I if I can think of it right now, but none that big. Uh, That's what I mean. And there might have been like minor kids before that. They did it. They were under the radar. Maybe I mean we didn't even know about it. But Nerland's was a big deal. I remember when he did it.
3: I'm trying. I mean, I I think there are some that are that maybe aren't that that big, but there have been some other big ones. And I, I can't think on of the top of my head. But Nerland's Noel was right. But now you're seeing it happen all the time. I, I mean, I think a lot of people just kind of forget because they'll do it. Sometimes they'll do it between their junior year. Sometimes even their sophomore years when they'll start to make up the work. Uh, and and the senior years are the ones that are. The most popular, but uh, Dakari Johnson reclassified. He should have technically just finished his his freshman year. There are a lot of people that reclassify, and you just kind of forget about it. And it is becoming this new trend in college basketball, and it it you know makes you wonder. And it the the surprising thing to me is Louisville brought up the idea of reclassifying to Derek Thornton a few months ago. At the earliest, maybe January or December, but I want to—you know—it might have not even been until like February or March. Uh, how can you possibly do enough work in that span to make up an entire year?
0: You're asking the wrong person. I, bear, I it took me longer than the average four years to get out of there, let alone get out of early. So I—I—I I, I don't. I assume they just take some kind of prep classes in the summertime. Uh, and and since Nerlands did, it, I mean, have we had a have we had a year since where there hasn't been at least not even one but multiple reclassifications?
3: Are you saying that, or have we had a year that there hasn't been multiple reclassifications? Reclassif- yeah. Or has there hasn't
0: been? I mean, oh yeah. no, I don't
3: think so. I, it happens every year now, and, and not a, just not
0: just one but multiple. I mean, it's, it's yeah, every year it's gonna it's seeming like more and more kids are doing it. To the point where, I mean, how early can you reclassify? Are we going to ha- start having, you know, sophomores trying to come out to be, instead of skipping their junior and senior year like a Jeremy Tyler did, instead of going to Europe, they, they reclassify in some way and, and go to college and what would be their junior year of high school?
3: And, and I went to St. X. So, and, and, you know, St. X is probably equal school to a lot of these recruits because a lot of these schools recru- recruits will go to prep schools or some other, some, some really nice schools in state – uh, and, and some of them don't, but even if they don't, it doesn't really matter. I'm just talking from my experience. I don't, I, I almost think it would be like close to impossible to reclassify if you were uh, a student at St. X and you needed to make up an entire year. And I, I guess maybe it comes down to just the, the, the minimum colleges in the NCAA will require. Like you've got to have these courses these are just the courses that you absolutely have to have. Maybe it's different in terms of that. But you're right, Trevor, and and here's the thing. And this really kind of falls on the NBA's rule where you have to be a year removed from your graduating class. But there's so many players where you could say, do they really need to stay in high school for another year? Do they really need another year of high school? And you could say that about college, where do you really think they need a year of college? The interesting thing would be if they ever removed that NBA rule, Trevor, if you'd have guys, like, go into the NBA after their junior year of high
0: school. And the NBA rule is not to, to punish kids. It's really to protect NBA franchises. I mean, we saw what happened when the high school trend just went out of control. And you had some of the worst drafts in NBA history because, you know, guy, people are reaching. And they're trying to reach and grab that next superstar coming right out of high school. And kids thinking they, anybody, just because they're good in high school, they can go pro. And then you start to get to the point where the, 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 not only was it the first round littered with high school kids and people reaching too high, but they were starting to fall into the mid-late second rounds. And some became good. Lou Williams, who won the sixth man of the year, was a straight out of high school mid-second round pick. And, but most of them turned out like Larry Smith, you know, who was a first-round pick by the Spurs and never played in the NBA and I think he's in a, an insane asylum now. You know, it, it's, it's not as much to protect the kids, but it's protect the teams because the teams are going to reach for anything. And it made for bad NBA basketball for a nice little span in the, in the late, 80, late 90s through the early part of the 2000s. And, yes, you're right. You're going to have your an occasional Kobe or your, your LeBron or guys like that that didn't, don't need to go to college. They don't. But for every one LeBron, you've got 30 kids that are probably going to go pro who needed at least a year or two of college. To find out where they really needed to land in the NBA, and what I would say to that, though, and
3: I know you mentioned that NBA basketball got bad there for a while, but who, you know, who cares? And not well, the not who NBA cares? cares. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Well, let me finish. Okay. Not who, not who cares from the NBA basketball is bad standpoint. But guess what? Now NBA teams, let's get some general managers and coaches that know what they're doing. And you can learn from the past, Trevor, where, okay, uh, it got out of control. We were drafting way too many high school kids. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, you, you take less risk on sure things from college. It's just getting to a point where let let kids make mistakes now. If they think they're ready to go pro, they go pro, and then maybe get one contract and then never play in the NBA and have to play their whole careers in Europe. Then let kids learn from those kids and and let people now make the right decisions because it's really making college basketball kind of, I don't want to say slimy because the one and done is fun. Think of all the great players that we've would have never seen Trevor if there wasn't that rule. But now that it's going to the high school level where you're getting kids magically reclassifying in a matter of months before needing to arrive on a college campus, that's strange. And I don't know if that's, right or normal or legal as a matter of fact
0: well it's what the NBA it's what's well, what it's the call co- it's the straight from high school to the NBA version of college though I mean it's what it is it's what's but they're only
3: doing it because
0: of the NBA rule but the NBA's NBA does the NBA rule. like I said the NBA rules to protect itself they I know the NBA cares about college basketball and they're going to tell you they do but they're not going to make rules that are going to they can hurt their game, and just to improve the college game, they could they give two bleeps about that when it comes to that. If it comes down to them or you or them, they're going to take them. They're going to take themselves, and they're gonna, and that's why the rule is in place, and that's why they've even considered doing a two year rule. And it's not just high schoolers; the same thing happened with European players. I mean, once Dirk Nowitzki was successful in '97, I mean, you saw the same thing European kids, and you're seeing them still go high in the draft where they shouldn't. But they're being fewer and far between going high in the draft because. There was another gap right there along with the high schoolers that teams were taking every 7-foot 19-year-old from Croatia just because he was 7 feet 19 years old.
3: Yeah, and and I I don't know. I I understand that the NBA is trying to protect itself, but I think it can protect itself more by just doing its homework and knowing which players are going to translate to NBA players. There's always going to be busts, and there's always going to be hidden gems.
0: Well, you uh, don't know that, though. You, did you, I mean, If you watch Darius, Darius Miles play out of high school, out of East St. Louis, I mean, you watched he was a great athlete. You would have thought he'd have been a, a surefire pro, and that was the same, you know, that's why he went to pitch in the draft. Now he's better known for being in the movie Van Wilder, I mean, than, than anything else, other, or just being a guy that collected a lot of money and did nothing for it. I mean, these, these guys are protected. I mean, there's how many kids are, that are protected as being, they shouldn't have to go to college, they could go straight out of high school, and then we see them go to college. And we realize, oh wait, man, that kid probably needs to come back for another year.
3: That and that happens, but there's that. That's always going to happen. It's always going to happen. Uh, and, and I, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because, like I said, it has been fun to see some of these guys one on one and done. I uh, we, you know, we would have never saw Carl Anthony Towns. We would have never saw Okafor, Anthony Davis. Uh, there's so many Andrew great Wiggins. players. Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker. I mean, there's so many great players that we would have never seen in a college uniform, and it's fun to be able to see them and see how they impact college basketball in their one year. But I think now that it's impacting the high school level and and it's making people reclassify, so Derek Thornton is going to be probably 17 at
0: Duke. But it's just didn't AU, AU basketball almost kind of – I don't want to say it's killed the, the high school teams of, of the past days, but it. I mean, now you don't look at what a kid did on his high school team; you look at what he does in AAU. I mean, AAU has almost made high school basketball irrelevant to a degree. I mean, it's still fun to watch. I mean, obviously, especially here in Kentucky, being a one class system. But I mean, for the most part, you look at what a kid. When you, when you when you ask me where a recruit went, how often do you tell me his AAU team before you tell me his high school team?
3: And uh, I don't know. Probably. I actually probably tell you his high school team more.
0: Well, when I look up a kid, I usually see the AU team listed almost above the high school team, especially on your own rival site. They list the AU team, I think, above the high school team. So, I mean, uh, they, they don't actually do I that, but I get, what you, I get what,
3: yeah. I get what, your point is, what your point is, is that they it's a basketball, this and that. But I don't think that really has to do with guys reclassifying. So, so you
0: get rid of the one and done rules, what you're telling me in the, in the long run.
3: I get none of the one I, I would get rid of the one and done rule and then try to make it a mold similar to college baseball.
0: Well, that would be a three. You have to either go or you're going, you're locked in for three years. Doesn't that seem a similar. little extreme.
3: Maybe, maybe, maybe you could do a two year thing. And, and I don't, I'm not saying this for the difference in college basketball. I, I've enjoyed college basketball. The offense has been kind of sloppy, but if you do this, I don't think that's going to drastically change that one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, just some some college basketball is just not as good anymore, um, and maybe defense is better. Maybe people are stronger, more athletic, faster. Maybe that has something to do with it. But I'm not saying that. that I'm not saying that from a drastically improved college basketball standpoint. Uh, but I, I do think in that sense, Trevor, people are either going to decide, okay, I need to go to the NBA right away, but they're going to have that in the back of their mind where, hey, if I'm not ready, this is going to change everything for my career. Uh, I could end up having spending my entire year in in Europe. Uh, So I think a lot, I think more people than you would expect would decide to go to college for two years, show them playing at a very organized, respectable level where NBA teams will feel more invested drafting those guys. And then after two years, if they're ready, so make it a a, go straight out of pros or stay for two years.
0: Baseball still has a lot larger base of roster spaces including minor league baseball that a kid has the option to do instead of going to college opposed to the NBA where there's only what 300 roster spots in the NBA Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not very good at math so I'm assuming give or take you know 25 or 30 around that area 250 to 300 so it's it's a little harder to do it I'm all for the one I think the NBA has been a better NBA because of the one and done rule I think it's helped the NBA quality and I don't think it's hurt college enough to where it matters, so I'm I'm all for the one and done. If they go to a two two, make it a two year rule, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I wouldn't it wouldn't bother me if they did or did not. But I think the one and done is a great move for the NBA, and I and I think it's like you said, maybe it does affect kids that, that should be able to go pro right away, but it hasn't. None of those kids that we thought were going to go pro right away, for the most part, have stopped themselves from going pro after the freshman year, and none of them have really fallen in the draft to the point where they've lost millions of dollars. Maybe they had to wait seven more months before they got those millions of dollars, but that's about it. I mean, if I have to wait seven months to make six, seven figures in my bank account, I'll wait seven more months.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's been some examples where that hasn't been right for them, but for the most part, you're right. Captain Arctic tweets in and says he totally agrees about this reclassifying nonsense. This really needs to be investigated. There's some, likely shenanigans going on uh duke is starting to walk a fine line and we can do that but they're in a different standard because duke has an exceptional admission standard uh the reclassifying thing seems uh fishy when it comes to duke and that's true
0: these kids aren't duke quality educated by their junior year is that what he's trying to say
3: well, well well I don't know if he's trying to say that well yeah by their junior year it's probably true I've talked to Derek Thornton I've spoken with his parents and they seem he goes to Finley prep uh, they they seem smart Derek Thornton seems smart uh, you know whether if he wasn't playing basketball would he be able to get in Duke I have no idea it's really hard to get in Duke so maybe not but to be even to be a basketball player and to you know to be hurting for credit hours. It seems difficult to be able to do that at a place like Duke. And again, Kentucky has been well—I wouldn't say benefited, but they've they've had several players that have reclassified. Uh, they've had they've had guys that have decided to to come to Kentucky and kind of you know Carl Anthony Towns. I'm pretty sure also reclassified. I think he did, yeah. So. They've also but I you know, I don't think that's UK saying, Hey, reclassify, where it is on record Louisville and Duke told Derek Thornton to reclassify. I guess that at the end of the day is where it bugs me is I don't think a school should ever be recruiting a guy and trying to get him to come earlier than he than he should. Andrew Wiggins reclassified.
0: Yeah, and new, numerous have. I mean, that's what I said. It's been multiple times since since Nurlands did it and came to Kentucky when he reclassified. I mean it's now it's every top recruit's moving up one year. If, if they're doing it legitimately in some school – and I mean, nowadays kids take college courses their freshman and sophomore years in between their regular high school courses. I didn't. I, I barely took college courses after I was that's, out of high school.
3: That's true, too. And you're right about that. One of my friends uh, – a, a few of my friends, really, obviously really, really smart people. One graduated Notre Dame in, in three years, and the other one graduated William & Mary in three and a half years pretty much. Uh, so you're right about that. So if the, I guess it kind of just depends on, on the kid. But I, I don't like the idea of college coaches not only recruiting kids but trying to – it just kind of seems like a snake trying to get a kid to reclassify a year while you're also recruiting them as if that's in their best interest. No, it's not maybe in their best interest. It's in your best interest because you need a certain position and you need it now.
0: I just, like I said, I just don't want this Pandora's box to open up to where it's high school sophomores starting to move up. I mean, we start going down the line. I mean, w- at what point do we st- does college basketball start looking like a middle school tournament? I mean, I, I, that's what I want. I know that's a little drastic and never happened, but still, I, I, that's what I want to avoid. I mean, because once you start, like someone once told me once, if you're willing to pay $50, you're probably willing to pay 75 And if you're willing to start having juniors come early, then what's to the stop you to start going to sophomores? Because I guarantee you, LeBron James as a high school freshman probably could have been playing in college basketball at an elite level.
3: Wait, wait, did you say LeBron James is a high school? What could play as, basketball as a high
0: school freshman probably could have played at a collegiate high level.
3: Oh, oh, okay. Uh, in college, yeah, that's a good, that's a fun debate. That'd be a fun summer debate. <laughs> high
0: school, but fr- what 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 what, kid, what players as high school freshmen could have been dominant college players.
3: I don't know if there's any. Because, again, Anthony Davis would have been this little six-foot scrub.
0: that. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but the, the, your body changes so much in high school and even into college.
0: But guys like Greg Oden probably would have been a, a, an impactful college freshman at right after his freshman year of high school. I mean, he was already probably seven feet tall and looked already like he was 42 at that point. Impactful is a hard word. Now,
3: if Greg Oden, after his freshman year of high school, went directly into college, I think he could have been okay but he wouldn't have been the Greg Oden that we knew and loved.
0: Well, I mean, he was, he was, yeah. I mean, I, I, even, it's hard to say he was even really greatly, hugely impactful his freshman year. He was kind of, he he was an impact as a freshman, but he was. He went to the national championship game. Well, they also had a pretty good team around him, including one of the best point guards in the NBA right now named Mike Conley, who was, by the way, Oden's teammate in high school.
3: Uh, Brun DMC says that he's going to reclassify backwards so he can be part of the 2016 class. Now, that would be fun if there was a way that I could just go back uh, and do high school again as an athlete. Um, I didn't play basketball for St. X, and it's a long story, long story short. That was I your
0: choice, just- by the way. Not, not your, that, that wasn't someone else's decision. That was your choice.
3: Uh, I wish, but unfortunately, my freshman year, I hadn't hit puberty, so I was very small. Uh, sophomore year, I was injured during tryouts. Junior year, I gave it my all. I, I made it past all these cuts. It was just basically me. It was just me and the team from last year, and they had even cut people from the year before. Um, and then they had a special one last cut, and they I got cut. I was the only one. So they narrowed their team down to like 10 or 11 guys. Um, I was going to do it again my senior year, but I just wasn't feeling it after putting so much into it my junior year. So I'm an, I, I was an okay basketball player in high school. Uh, not phenomenal, but you know obviously not good enough to make my high school team. But I was a good defender. I was a try-hard, this and that. Uh, now I'm a little more out of shape. But we play in a summer basketball league, with, and I still do, uh, with really good guys, several of them that would play in college. So one time before our summer league game, Trevor, and this is the dunking story that I – um, was was teasing that I had forgotten about. So one time before our summer league game, and uh, several, pretty much everybody on our team could dunk, and they were all dunking during, li- during warm-ups. And I've, I've been close to dunking several times. Um, it's just I don't have enough jump to be able to, to easily flush a dunk. I can touch rim, I can palm a basketball, but I wouldn't be able to do the two things because my vertical wasn't high enough. So they're all dunking, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have a little fun. And I go up for a dunk and I'm really close to to dunking. I, I miss it, but my hand got the rim. The ball just hit off the back of the back or the back of the rim, and I was close. So I go back the second time, try again, and this time I, I dunk it. I dunk it on a real basketball goal during warm-ups. Everybody saw it. Everybody started to freak it out. I started freaking out. It was probably the the high uh, of my athletic career. That moment, so I go back again and I try it again, because hey, if I can do it once, I can do it again, so I do it again, Trevor, and I dunk again,
0: you dunk twice back to back times
3: all during warmups, I'm dunking, and then I start to try to get cute with it and doing like some of these reverse dunks and stuff, and I don't make those, but I'm close uh closer than I should be, so I don't know what the hell's going on this day um, if I you know ate the right breakfast, if I finally found the right pair of basketball shoes, this or that. <laughs> Um, they I didn't, lowered
0: the rim. Maybe
3: <laughs> I, I was, I was thrilled and sure enough, game's about to tip. We're out there. We're, we're waiting to go. They're about to tip the ball. And then the manager of the gym comes over with a whistle and he's like, Hey, 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 hold on. We got to go fix that goal. It's at nine and a half feet. <laughs> <clears throat> I can't tell you how heartbroken I was, Trevor. That's <laughs> I mean, I, I really, it, that was like the word I almost like fell to my knees I was just like, no, give me that. Just let me have it. Just let me play this game and don't even tell me that the goal wasn't high enough. <laughs> and then all my teammates were like, Yeah, I thought that was a little low. When I was dunking easily, it seemed a little low.
0: And I was like, No, it seemed perfect. So It makes you feel better. Nine and a half's still pretty good. I mean that's 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 pretty pretty good height to dunk on. I don't I can't get on a nine and a half. And maybe in my high school days I would have come close to a nine and a half, but not, I'm sure so I can get to it now.
3: It was uh yeah now now i if i could get nine and a half that'd be a major accomplishment can't do that and and as my basketball career has progressed now all the embarrassing things that have happened to a lot of basketball players have happened to me up until like two years ago i i was able to say i'd never been dunked on that changed i've been dunked Um, on
0: i got dunked on in high school
3: there was a time where I could say that I'd never had my ankles broken and, and fallen down. That changed like it two years ago as well. It was not a good summer two years ago.
0: Have you ever uh, thrown an alley oop? I have thrown one. Okay. Um, I've not, thrown not, one not, myself I've once, and that was it.
3: It's not not pretty. I'd love to be on the receiving end of one someday, but we're out of time. Uh, we didn't get a talk about the Reds manager. Yeah, we,
0: we only have 30 seconds left, so you can only get 27 F bombs in.
3: Blanking, blank, blank, blank. F this, F that. Uh, maybe tomorrow we'll shoot for 78 F-bombs in four minutes. Uh, and I do I, I do want to talk about that a little bit, so we'll, we'll table that until tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Rob Doster coming on. Sorry about the technical issues to start. Trevor, as always, fun talking to you. We'll be back tomorrow, 1450, the Sports Buzz. This is the Sports Stalker with TJ Walker. High time,
0: sitting by the river.
2: Got my old pole in my liquor. I was trying to tell me how to run my life When they
0: say I'm going wrong And I swim I'm going right Come on. High time sitting by the river Got my old shotgun fishing pole in my life.